Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. We're going to get ready to get into the Word of God. Today I'm pivoting. I have been preaching every single week on this series, how to raise G-rated kids in an X-rated world. You know, we were only going to go a certain amount of weeks on this, but you guys were like, more. We want more. We want more. So, so we stay here for a while. But today I felt it very important that you hear another voice because for those of you that know me, and if you follow me on Instagram, you know it's all about me and my kids and my wife. We got little boys. We got 6, 8, and 12. 6, 8, and 12. We're in the thick of raising beautiful little boys, and, and, and they are rambunctious and energetic. But one area that I can't speak with over an experience, to really speak into it with experience, is parenting teenagers. And so I thought it would be great for you to hear from a pastor who has been, uh, who has already parented some kids out of the teenage season. They're now beyond their teenage years. He's got some that are in the thick of their teenage years. And I also wanted you to get a perspective of what it's like to raise children and your children that you dedicated in the house of God start to stray. Like, how, how do you parent through those seasons? How do you lead through those seasons? So Pastor Bob is going to bring the word today because he brings all of that wisdom, that experience, and that seasoning. So Lighthouse, let's receive him with a great big round of applause as we welcome Pastor Bobby Hernandez, who's going to bring the word and conclude this series for us. Good morning, Lighthouse. How's everybody doing? Awesome. If you could just stay uh, standing just for a minute, we are going to read uh, the passage that we have this morning. If you could do me a favor, I'm going to read it out loud, and when I stop, if you could fill in that missing word, I'd really appreciate it. So then we could all kind of just join in this together. So we're reading this morning from uh, the book of Daniel. Uh, Pastor brought us uh, first two chapters. Today we're going to be on chapter three, starting with uh, verses one and two, moving on to six. So King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. Now the next two verses. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and and languages, listen to the king's command. Next two verses, five and six. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and other musical, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. As you remain standing, I would like to lift us all in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we come before you right now, Lord, and I am lifting every family that is represented here today. Every parent, every single parent, Lord, every child, every teen, every young adult that is represented here today, Lord. We, I'm just asking that you open up our, our minds, that you open up our hearts, and that as I speak corporately, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would 
intervene and, and work individually. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, as Pastor Josh said, this series has been taking us right into parenting children. And as he said, yeah, I'm, I'm in the thick of it. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we have uh, six kids. And uh, we have a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, and a 21-year-old. So, whew, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and you know, kids grow and they become teens. The teens become, uh, it's a progression, right? They become young adults, but they never stop being our babies, right? I know my mom, my, I'm, I just turned 54 years old, and I know I am my mom's baby. I'm actually the baby of the family, and I will never stop being her, her baby. Um, so today's message is going to continue on with that parenting theme. Um, we... My wife and I, we started uh, parenting teenagers eight years ago, and uh, we have five years left. Our baby is 15, so uh, we have about five years left to go. So this uh, morning, uh, the title of our message today is Even in Babylon. Can everybody say that with me? Even in Babylon. So some of your questions, some of your um, you know, the areas that you wanted to hear, some of you, um, they have to do with the questions, how do I raise a child who's running from God, and how do I raise a child who's struggling with their Christian identity? Um, those are, are, are things that, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to try to be transparent today. We are facing, my wife and I are home. And um, before we dive into it deeper, I want, I want to give you a little bit of background about Babylon. So one thing we need to understand is that Babylon was a, it was a small, obscure city until it became the capital, and it just made the empire of Babylonia expand. Babylon became a very impressive city. It actually was the most impressive city of its time. It had um, breathtaking buildings adorned in clay brick. It had neatly paved roads and streets. It had statues of lions, had statues of dragons, and it was very enticing and very appealing to the eye. And I'm sure especially to the teens of Babylon, very, very uh, uh, calling out to them. The ancient city of Babylon plays a major role in the Bible, and it represents a rejection of the one true God. And it's also rep representation of sin and rebellion, nothing less than sin and rebellion. So starting with the king himself, how arrogant was it for King Nebuchadnezzar to have a statue, an idol, if you please, and many believe that it was designed in his image. So it was a statue that looked like the king himself. So it was a statue that was erected in the center, in the square um, of, and I don't see it over here. I see it up there, but I don't see the image over here. Yeah, oh, up there? Okay, good. So you could see in the center of the square here, of the plaza, if you please, there is a statue, there is a king sitting on a throne. And the Bible tells us that it comes out to being a measurement of 90 feet. So if you could please imagine, those of you that have been to Washington, D.C., or if you've seen uh, pictures of it, but I'm sure there's nothing like being in the plaza right right in front of the, the, the monument, the, the, uh, the Washington Monument, 
and how majestic that must have been. So the orders were for everybody. And when I say everybody, and the Bible tells us that it was talking specifically to the elite of the city. The, this, this order was given to the, the, the officials, to the treasurers, to the, uh, everybody that was legal and official and governmental in the, in the city of Babylon. So the first point that I want to make here is don't be a long-distant parent. Look to a parent near you or a future parent and tell them that. Don't be a long-distant parent. So, Pastor Bobby, what do you mean by that? Don't be a long-distant parent. Well, you know, some of our teens, the reality of it is that they're running away, and they're running in the wrong direction. They're running towards Babylon. Here we are raising them in the holy city of Jerusalem. You know, we've brought them to church. We've dedicated them. We've, you know, prayed over them. We raised them in our kids and children's church. But yet they're running in the wrong uh, uh, direction. And they're living in Babylon by the choices that they're making, by the lifestyles that they're choosing, by the mindset that they've adopted as teens, giving into some of the influences around them. Now, as I was preparing this message, I realized, how can I parent a child that I'm not even in proximity with? My child is down in Babylon, and I'm over here in the holy city, living my holy life, living my Christian life, living my life as a parent. But my child, meanwhile, is down in Babylon. How am I to, to, to do this? What does this look like? Meanwhile, I'm in Jerusalem. My child is sinking deeper in Babylon in the, in the sin and rebellion that it has to offer. Well, I came to the realization, and, and I look at the, the path that we've been taking as parents, Deanna and I, and we, I recognize, well, we haven't been staying still. We haven't been letting the enemy raise our children. Parents, don't let the enemy raise your child. If you give the enemy license, the enemy is going to raise your child. The enemy is going to entice your child to go to Babylon, and there is going to be more than their share of things to do there. And you know what? If they move to Babylon, then guess what? I need to take up residence in Babylon too. Now, I'm not saying that I need to take up permanent residence. All I'm saying is that while my child is in the thick of it, while my child is in the fire, I need to be in the fire with my child. I'm the parent, right? I need to be there in the thick of it with them. I need to maintain that communication, even though they might not be obeying me. I need to set boundaries, even though they're not obeying the boundaries. The boundaries still need to be set, and the expectation needs to be there. I need to follow through with consequences, and sometimes that doesn't look like it should look like like consequences are there, but they're not respected. But I still need to stand for what's right. And if I'm going to be present in their life, that means that I need to be there. And I might need to change my address temporarily. It's not going to read Jerusalem anymore. It's going to read Babylon. Now, again, don't misunderstand me. I hope nobody misunderstands me. I'm resigning in Babylon with my child who's straying away. That doesn't mean that I'm going to become as a Babylon, as a Babylonian. That means that I'm going to be an example, a proximate example right near to my child of what godly living is, is to be like. Now, if your child or my child was kidnapped, what would you do about it? Would you do something? Pastor Joe, what would you do if your child was kidnapped? Would you go out on a search? You would go out on a manhunt, right? Well, guess what? <clears throat> a couple of years ago, a couple of my kids, 
decided they weren't going to come home. And they were tag teaming it. They weren't in cahoots. They weren't, you know, it, it wasn't a plan to torment mom and dad. They were doing their own thing. They were out in Babylon doing their own thing. But they didn't come home. And we're very inexperienced, right, at this point. We don't know what to do. We do what we think it's right. And we call the police and we report them as, as runaways, as missing. We want our babies back and we want them back now. Do something about it. So th- the police came out. They came out. They were at our doorstep immediately. And uh, the police officer says, Mr. Hernandez, so what happened when you went out and searched for your boy? What happened when you went uh, out and searched for a child? And I said, what? And he said, yeah, what happened? Where'd you go? What'd you do? And I said, what do you mean? I I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I called you. You're you're, you're the big guy. And no, he, he, he scolded me. And he told me, next time you do this, I'm calling CPS on you. I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. He said, no, sir, you're supposed to be out on that street hunting your child down. You're supposed to go and get your child. You're supposed to look at the park. You're supposed to look behind the school. You're supposed to look, go to his friend's house, go to the park bench, go to the wherever you need to go. You need to find your child and you need to bring him home. I'm like, all right. So it happened again, unfortunately. And there goes Pastor Bobby. There I go, looking for my child. And you know what? This time the sheriffs were there with me. I told them what I did, and they said, let's go. I'm like, what do you mean, let's go? Yeah. So they strategized, and they said, Mr. Hernandez, you take this route. We're going to take this route. And I'm like, I thought you guys were supposed to be doing this. The responsibility, parents, lies on us. It's never going to be someone else's business. It's never going to be someone else's responsibility to raise our child. And if that means going into Babylon to snatch our child away from the the clutches of the enemy, that's what we need to do. Sin has snatched them up from us, and this comes in seasons. It's not all the time, right? But there's seasons where we don't have them, and we need to go to the enemy's camp, and we need to take what he has stolen away from us. This is your child we are talking about. One more thing. We need to remind our kids. When we snatch them up, when we take them out of Babylon, we need to remind them of their identity. Who are you, kid? What are you doing taking off at 3 o'clock in the morning? Get back here. Don't you know who you are? You're my son, and you're a son of, of the, the God, the most high God. What are you doing on the streets at this time? Of course, we do it in love, right? But we need to remind them because if we don't remind them of their identity, the world will. Babylon will not hesitate to remind them of their identity. But just like those Hebrew boys, if you remember last week, in the, la- in the first two chapters, we learned, I believe it was in the first chapter, we learned that these four Hebrew boys were taken away from the holy city and taken to Babylon. When they were taken away, they were given a new name. They were given a new identity, and this name wasn't nice. This name was a shameful name. This name was a sinful name. And you know what? That wasn't enough to take, to steal their identity away from them. We need to remind our kids who they are. Some of our kids, they were raised in our kids. They were raised in children's church. They were presented. They were dedicated. We need to remind them where their destiny is. Their destiny is in Babylon and never was. They just got strayed. They got sidetracked. But again, it is our job to not be a long-distant parent, but to parent alongside our kids. Can somebody say amen? Now, the rest of the story goes like this. 
So one day, sure enough, that music began to play. And there goes everybody to the town square, all the officials, all the elite. And they're there for one reason and one reason alone, to bless, to bless this idol. That word bless, it comes from an Aramaic term. And that word bless has to do with Barak praise. And that is exactly what it was. It was a bended knee to the statue. It was a praise, but it was a praise to the wrong God. It was an idol. And that is exactly what Babylon has for our kids. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. My next point, if you're taking notes, write this down. Everybody say, remember the identity. Oh, I could do better than that. Remember the identity of your family. You know, sometimes the road gets really obscure, gets really rocky, but we need to make sure that we are still keeping the identity of our family. We're not going to identify ourselves as Babylonians. We're not going to identify ourselves as in rebellion, as, you know, as, as a sinful, uh, of a sinful nature here. We're going to need to maintain godly standards, practices, and expectations in our home and those of us that have a spouse in our marriages, those of us that are, are single parents, you know, if you have adult children, align yourself with your adult children that they may be in agreement with you. If you don't have adult children, you don't have a spouse, I encourage you to find somebody that also is parenting single and that also has their eyes on God that could agree with you and you could agree with them that your children are not going to be there very much longer. Your children are in Babylon, but they're soon to return. We need to imprint the biblical and family values in their hearts and as to convict them. They know. Didn't you teach them? We taught them, but yet they find themselves out in Babylon experimenting, out worshiping idols. And, you know, a way of preserving our family identity is by constant communication. You know, that's, Deanna and I learned this at the beginning, you know, during those first years of teenage years, the communication that was necessary, that was needed, was not there. We had communication. You know, we had been married eight years before God blessed us with, started blessing us with our family. So we were, we were one flesh. We were, we were, our communication was there, but not at the level that it needed to be to address the issues that were being thrusted upon us through the choices that our teenage children were, were, were making. So another thing, too, is that you need to be in agreement when you come down, you know, with, with, these, with these rules and these boundaries with your teenage child, you need to make sure that you and whoever else is helping you parent or whoever else is part of your village that is, you know, uh, impacting these, these uh, decisions and, and these boundaries, that you are in agreement uh, with each other. So remember that you, your marriage, and your family may go through the fire, and maybe you're watching your children go through the fire because of their choices. But trust that God, the God that you dedicated your children to, has them. He's watching. He's taking care of them. That's something that we've, that we've learned. And I've come in my prayers to understand, and I tell God, God, 
My child's out there without permission, but I know by your grace and through my prayers, you are keeping a watchful eye on them. And I have to remember that. I have to trust that God is, is in control of this situation, even in Babylon. Everybody say, even in Babylon. The next point, everybody say, lead the fight. So when I was preparing this message, God showed me, you know, it's a, it's a, real, uh, it's a real war zone out there with our kids are being bombarded from all areas and right now I'm gonna in a few minutes I'm gonna go over a list of things that our our teens are facing right now out in society out at schools out with their friends on social media and we need to support them you know I started thinking about how a soldier is prepared you know for battle a soldier he or she goes to boot camp and then they're sent out. But once they're sent out and they're, they actually find themselves in the battlefield, there is a battle command team that, is, that has their back. They're strategizing. They're seeing where the enemy's at. They're seeing what weapons, you know, that are against them. And they're planning. They're plotting. And you and I as parents, we need to lead the fight. We need to be our team's battle command. We need to support our team with their decisions. We need to help them strategize. We need to visualize the current state and future state. We need to help them in this situation. I have one of my, my children that, uh, one of my, my, my children, uh, my teens, I, I, can't, I can't put too much information out there, you know, but I need to just give chunks of information. And as I just chunk it and I give them a little bit and I tell them, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what's going to happen. This is what I need from you. It works. But when I overwhelm them and I consume them with what this says and what that says and what you got to do and what you, you can't do and what you shouldn't be doing, I see the pushback. It's too overwhelming. We have to realize, you know, we need to ask God for the wisdom that we need, right? We need to help them strategize again, but we need to do this in, in wisdom. Some of the things that, um, that our, our children are going through, our teens are going through, our young adults are going through, they include mental health issues. They include depression. They include anxiety. They include bullying. They include sexual identity, gender identity. I'm sorry, sexual activity, uh, gender identity, drug use, alcohol use, obesity, academic problems, peer pressure, social media. And also we have to realize that they're still dealing with the effects of COVID-19. That was a rough chapter in all of our lives. And our teens are, have suffered. A lot of them have suffered. An April um, 2022 Healthline study stated that 37% of high schoolers experienced poor mental health during the pandemic, and 44% said that they persistently were sad or hopeless this year, this past year. So we're talking about April, April of this year. So parents, check in with your teens. Check in with your children. You know, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm an elementary school teacher. And I could see that there is a lot of, there's a lot of weight. There's a lot of residue from, from COVID-19. On Friday, just this Friday, we had a weird thing happen. And it ended up putting us on a lockdown. And... I wasn't even out there. It was during lunchtime for my students, and it was during recess time for the little ones. We're talking about like first, second graders. And they were out on the playground, and, and my students were eating their lunch at the lunch tables. And this uh, police helicopter comes really low, like right over them, and it scared them terribly. And they told them to go inside. 
They didn't tell them, you know, what they didn't need to know, but they needed to get inside. So they left their lunches. It just looked like a ghost town, you know, out on the tables. And they ushered them as quickly as they could into the multi-purpose room, into rooms, into wherever they could. And they put them on, on, on a lockdown. So they were, you know, on the floor, a lot of them. They were in the darkness, not knowing what was going on. And there was one girl, she was, uh, they finally came back to class. And I have nine and 10-year-olds. And uh, she was crying and crying and crying, and she couldn't be consoled. So many children were crying. It, it's, we just, you know, it was just one at a time, one at a time. We tried to address them, you know, as a, as a whole class. But there was many students that needed that that one-on-one -on -one time. So I couldn't get to her right away, this one student of mine, because there was other students that I decided, you know, needed me a little bit more at the time. So she comes to me. She looks, I mean, she's crying and crying. And she said, Mr. Hernandez, can I play worship music on my, on my Chromebook? And I look at her. I'm like, yeah, play worship music. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm putting out fires. I'm helping. I'm hugging. I'm doing what I got to do. They were scared. They were terrified. And our school counselor, only one school counselor, she couldn't get to close to 40 rooms you know, so I was walking around and I could see she had her headphones on and I could see what it was a concert she was uh, listening to. And I could see the words on the bottom. So I just stand by her and I'm mouthing the words because she has her headphones on. And I'm like, Waymaker, spirit. You know, I, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm crying there, too. And 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 she's like looking at me like Waymaker, promise you, you know this. And I told her. I've told him before, but she might have just forgot. I go, I'm a Christian, too. He's got you. He's got you. And she just got lost in her worship. I wish the rest of them would have, too, you know. But, you know, somebody taught her that. Some parent told her that when you are low, when you are down, Waymaker, right? Waymaker is there for you. And she put what she was taught into practice. Parents, your teaching is not in vain. What you taught your child from infancy, reading in the womb, whatever it was, it's not in vain. She's an example. Let's put our hands together. Let's put our hands together. That's right. She, this little uh, a student of mine was an example and a, and a reminder to me that they're listening and they are capable enough to put these messages to work. So we're going to get going with our story. So the music played. They bowed down. Well, everybody else except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? So in a city full of all these officials and elites and important people, there wasn't a lack of a tattletale. There wasn't a lack of somebody right to go run to the king and tell him, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow down. The king got infuriated, but you know what? They had favor in the city. So he said, you know what? We're going to give you one more chance. When that, at the sound of the music, if you don't bow down, you will be tossed in the valley of that furnace. 
And they said, they told the king boldly, they said, you know what? You could toss us in there. If our God saves us, he saves us. If he doesn't, we're not bowing down to an idol. And that's the message that we need to give our kids. If they find themselves in the midst of Babylon, we need to teach them how to refuse, how to boldly refuse and stand up for their beliefs as children of God, the God Most High. So if you could read with me, fill in the missing blanks. Verses 23 and 24 say, So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped in amazement and to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied. Next two verses, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire, un, and the fourth looks like a, then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. When's the last time that we taught our kids to step out of the fire? When's the last time that we have prayerfully taught our kids, that we have taught our kids systematically, methodically, according to the word of God, how to step out of situations? Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors, are you with me here or no? Yeah. And advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Wow, if that's not a miracle right there. You know, I've always counted the parting of the, and I still do, the parting of the Red Sea and the Israelites walking, you know, out of, out of uh, 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 Egypt on dry ground as a miracle of miracles, but this one is not far behind. This is a miracle to come out of the valley of a fire, of a furnace. And the Bible also tells us that men that didn't even go in died. They got close to it, and he had it turned up so high, and he turned it up some more that they died without even going inside of it. So this account reminds us that miracles happen even in Babylon. Everybody say, even in Babylon. Once again, our God, in all of his awesomeness, just showed off, right? He just showed off his incredible acts. And you know what? We got it, and, and, and not just showed off, but he did it in dramatic ways. We've seen it in our home. We're experiencing it right now. And we have one of our, our children that last year, we don't know what, what he was doing. School wasn't a priority. There was too many distractions. He was deep into Babylon, let me tell you. And us just being prayerful, encouraging him, doing a lot of what I was, I've been talking about today, just from one day to the next. This school year, we cannot stop getting phone calls about him. But these phone calls aren't the same phone calls from before. These phone calls aren't about how he's going to be expelled. These phone calls aren't about how he's doing X, Y, Z. These phone calls are praising him for what he's doing. So, you know, that is nothing but God. And God, however he did it, he 
helped him step out of the fire. We are seeing amazing things happen in our home. And you know what? It was about time. It was about time. We were at our wits end, but God knows what he's doing, right? As I come to a close here, the last point is there is peace even in Babylon. Everybody say even in Babylon. The last scripture that I want to read as we come to a, a close, it's a scripture, and I'll tell you right now why it's very dear to me. It always has been. This is a scripture when we were children's pastors back at South County. This is a scripture that I remember teaching the kids, including my kids when they were young, when they were small. They were in, in Al kids' age. And it reads as follows. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I'm going to show you something really quick as, again, as we come to an end. This guy here could be the king of worry warts. I could be anxious. I could worry I could fret, you know, it's like, well, Pastor Bobby, what about everything that you just said? Well, you know, I'm working on it. I'm definitely a work in progress. We, Deanna and I experienced a little over a year ago, we got a phone call and we rushed over to the hospital to find one of our children basically on a deathbed. And... This child of ours gave in to the idols. He gave in to the temptations, but he did it big. And, you know, any other time, I would be a mess, a sad mess, like to the point that you would say, well, where's the God that you believe in? You know, I'm just keeping it real here. But three weeks before this occurrence, I found myself in the morning when I woke up, reciting this passage, verses 6 and 7. Every 5-10 minutes during the day, at home, at work, or driving, wherever I was, I would go to bed with this reciting and reciting and reciting. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And the version that I memorized was, tell God what you need. Ask Him for thank God for what he has done tell him what you need in this manner you will have the peace that surpasses all understanding three weeks of nothing but the word in me John tells us that the word and God are one and the same so I had God so penetrated in me and my thoughts and my mind and my fears and my heart and every ounce of me that there was no way that I was going to waver Deanna and I, the only thing we could do was just lay our hands on our child and just claim the blood of Jesus, and that was it. It was a testament to the nurses. It was a testament to the doctors that were watching us in that emergency room. And the prognosis, the report was not good. It was not good at all. And to their surprise, the next day was a totally different 
situation, God allowed him to literally step out. He went from being laid on a bed to not being able to even respond, to being able to physically walk out the next day. If that's not God, I don't know what it is. And even in Babylon, God is there for us as parents. I'm going to ask us all if we could stand to our feet right now. I'm going to lift us up here. I know everybody here is not a parent. Everybody's not a parent of a teen. Everybody here doesn't have a spouse. There are single parents here. Everybody's not in the same situation, but in one way or another. Right now, we're just going to invite the word that we just heard right now to penetrate into our lives. The word, we're going to just pray that the word is activated in our lives, in our homes, and that it be relevant to any situation that comes. So if you could just join me, lift up our hands, close our eyes, and let's just call out to God. Heavenly Father. Lord, as we stand before you here, there are so many families that are represented here. So many homes, Lord, so many children, so many teens, so many parents, so many single parents. Right now, I lift them up to your throne, Lord. We're calling on the power of your Holy Spirit to activate in their lives, activate in their mouths, activate in their hearts, activate in their minds. May you be in control of every situation, even if that takes us to Babylon, if that takes us in our own lives into Babylon or if we are forced into Babylon because of the choices that our teens that our children, that our young adults are making. I claim victory over every situation in the name of Jesus Christ. Can we just lift our hands? Can we just praise him right now with our voices as the praise team takes us in to worship? If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.